Hi, Susan Singles. Yeah, I know it's been a while, but I'm back. For those of you who are new here, welcome to In the Meantime with a Season Single. I'm your host, Angela Hines, and I am so glad that you're here. I just want to share with you our mission and let you know what you can expect in these podcasts. The mission of the Season Single is to encourage, equip, and empower singles to love God and His Word, to establish and maintain healthy relationships, to become fully devoted followers of Christ who are completely satisfied in Christ alone. That's it. And we do this by practicing uh, biblical principles like discipleship, accountability, uh, spiritual disciplines, and service through fellowship. Picking up where we left off, we started a series on the five decisions that every seasoned single must make in order to steward our singleness well. And if you go back and listen to episodes 9, 10, and 11, you'll hear um, how I started it off in a couple interviews, an interview with Candy Landers and one with Rob Kowalski. Amazing interviews that you don't want to miss. Imagine that you've always wanted to be married. You meet the person that you believe you're going to spend the rest of your life with. You get married. You love life with this person. And after a series of events, you find yourself a young widow. Well, that's what's happened to Jennifer Nix. And she's going to talk about how she weathered this storm in episode 12, A Time to Heal. Hey guys, I am so excited. I am here with Jennifer Nix and she is an amazing woman that I've had the opportunity to know for about four years now. So Jennifer, welcome to the season single. Thank you so much for having me. I want you to tell us a little bit about who you are. Tell us about Jennifer and what you do. Yeah, my name is Jennifer Nix, and um, I have been pretty much a native of Northwest Arkansas my whole life. I was born in Texas, but spent almost all of my life in Northwest Arkansas. Um, and whenever I was in high school, um, I fancied myself quite the intellectual, and so I wanted to go to Hendricks College to um, go to school, and for those of you who don't know Hendricks College, they, um, they pride themselves on their intellectualism. Very, very <laughs> highbrow. But there is where um, I met my uh, first you know, real boyfriend, and we started our relationship there. Um, and it it kind of went from there. I kind of made my pack of friends, but um, I was unable to stay there. My family, you know, I was putting myself through school, and so I ended up moving back to Northwest Arkansas and enrolling at the university, and so um, just maintained a long-distance relationship with my boyfriend, Garrett. 
Um, and so until he graduated, you know, we did the long distance thing. And, um, and then when he graduated, he moved to Northwest Arkansas. We moved in together. And so, you know, all told, um, we were together for 10 years before we got married. Um, we actually got married on our 10 year anniversary and, um, we eloped. Um, he was not super big on, um, a lot of, you know, social attention and wanted to keep things small. And so we eloped and uh, had like a surprise party. My birthday was the day before our anniversary. And so um, it, we, we disguised our um, announcement party as a birthday party for me. And um, little did everyone know they were there for a surprise party. And so um, we passed out champagne and had a toast, presumably for my birthday, but then announced that we had gotten married. <laughs> so... <laughs> So. Well, that is so funny. I had a couple on a couple months ago, and they talked about how everybody thought they were going to elope. <laughs> you know, my grandmother had given up on us getting married completely. And so one Christmas, she, you know, she said, well, I mean, I would have gotten, you know, you cookware for a wedding shower, but since you're not going to get married, here you go. Here's some cookware for Christmas. <laughs> so it's like, well, Okay. <laughs> Thanks, so Grandma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you met um, you met Garrett in college. Um, you guys were together ten years before you got married. Mm -hmm. So talk about life post marriage. What did that look like for you? So um, after we got married, I mean, we had been together for so long. Um, I mean, ten years that. Um, not, I would say not a whole lot really changed. I mean, we had a piece of paper that said we were married. Um, we interacted much the same way um, that we did before. We, you know, a foundation of friendship was always very important in our relationship. And so um, that just kind of carried forward. We decided not to merge any of our like bank accounts and stuff. And so there was still this, this level of um, separation within our marriage where we were both kind of our individuals, but married. So, um, I don't know if that's, you know, super normal for married couples, but you know, again, we had been together for so long. And so we kind of had this mantra of if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I guess that kind of begs the question, well, why did we decide to get married? But, um, you know, I think there was a, you know, a certain level of, well, it's, it's time, it's time to go ahead <laughs> and get married. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was, it was really much the same as it was, you know, before we got married. Could you share with us what happened and what led to his, his death? Sure. What I will say is, let me back up to whenever we, we first got together. Um, you know, we were babies. Like, we were 18 and 19 years old. And so um, we you know, we were getting into this long-term serious relationship and, um, you know, there was a, there was a certain component of us growing as, you know, in, into our adult selves. And, you know, for, I think for a long time, 
our paths were pretty in line with each other. Um, but then, you know, we encountered some adversity, some hardships in, in our lives where his, um, his parents both got sick. His mother passed away from pancreatic cancer in 2012. And then, um, and so there was the dealing with that. Um, and, you know, Garrett just, he had a really hard time rebounding from that. And then we find out that his father was also sick um, from brain cancer. And so um, he had a really tough time coping with all of that. Um, and so, you know, just in full transparency, um, he ended up getting sick from complications of alcoholism. Mm. And so, um, you know, I have, it, I have struggled a lot with how to process that and to communicate that within the context of my own story. Mm -hmm. um, I've wrestled a lot with how do I maintain loyalty to him and protect his privacy. Um, but alcoholism is one of those diseases where it thrives in um, quiet and, and privacy and that protection. And so I have felt like it's important for me as I own my story that I have to come to a place where I can talk about it yeah. in a way that doesn't disparage him, but is very truthful about what happened. Yeah. And, and so, um, so, you know, the, he was coping with, a lot of really heavy, dark things in his life with alcohol um, and shielding a lot of that from me. And so I think there's probably a little level of denial on my part that maybe I, I wasn't paying enough attention to some of the clues that were around me, but there was a lot of um, separation there mm -hmm. and to, to kind of nurture that toxicity. So it came as a big surprise to me whenever he initially got sick. Um, it was just a few days before my birthday and our anniversary, um, took him to the hospital and kind of this mushroom cloud of all of this, all of the, the truth was finally kind of coming out about how sick he was. And it was a really uh, relatively short amount of time between when, you know, when he originally got sick, sick, and then when he passed away. So it was beginning of November to the end of December. You know, that was, it was really hard to learn all of these things about my partner that, you know, it was, um, you know, complete betrayal of trust. It was a lot of things um, that I was finding out all at once. And then also thinking about all, you know, it, thinking about, okay, we can come out of this and what does life look like after this? Um, and then realizing that we are not coming out of this. Yeah. I'm coming out of this. Um, and, and once that happened, you know, it's just a matter of you have to, you know, figure out where in the world you are, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, and then you have to start with just those baby steps of all of the most basic things, you know, yeah. did I sleep? Did, am I drinking water? Am I eating food? You know, just the most basic things. And then, you know, you slowly start to come out of it. Yeah. You have some very strong believers in your in your life around you now. Talk to us about your faith journey. What mm -hmm. what does that look like? 
So, you know, I think if you could have asked me five, six years ago before all of this happened, um, I would not have told you that I was a spiritual person. Um, it was just not something that really factored into my life. I, um, you know, didn't go to church. I and mean, truthfully, I, I, I don't really go to church today. Um, but I will tell you that there have been things that have happened in my life that um, I can't point to any other um, reasoning behind it other than a spirituality, a faith, um, an internal nudging. And sometimes I call that like that God whisper, right? Mm-hmm. Um I think about probably six months before Garrett really got sick. I had this, this internal, um, that, that God whisper of you need to talk to someone. And so I reached out to, um, the counselors of the Joshua center and, um, started, you know, I got paired with who I swear she is a gift from God. Um, her name's Melissa. So we started talking, you know, I went and I said, you know, Hey, I, I'm really here because I need to know how to support my husband as he's supporting his dad, who's going through this, you know, cancer journey. And so she was like, okay. But then we started, you know, we started with me, you know, she was like, well, let's, I want to hear about you. Um, and so we unpacked a lot of things from my childhood that I had never resolved. Um, my father was also an alcoholic. Um, he took his life whenever I was 14. Um, but you know, I, I survived that I got through it, but I never really unpacked all of that. And so we started from, from that point and, I think that had it not been for doing the work that I did with her and starting to read the kind of kind of self-help books or whatever, I started reading Brene Brown and I love her. Um, Had it not been for reaching out to and working with Melissa and getting on that journey of journaling and learning how to process my emotions and learning how to do all of that, there would have been no way that I would have been ready to go through what I was about to go through. Right. Um, so she was absolutely critical. Now she, um, you know, Joshua center is um, a faith-based, you know, counseling, but she, from the very beginning, she was like, what kind of, you know, counseling do you want? And I was like, well, I don't, I don't want that piece of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, let's just, you know, Um, and so she's never pushed that on me, but it's been amazing that over the course of, you know, the years that I've worked with her and I still see her, you know, uh, periodically, um, those things have kind of naturally kind of come in. Right. So began working with her, began reading a ton, began journaling a lot, um, and then of course in the immediate aftermath of his death, you know, I had all of my, my people, you know, that were right there with me. And, um, there were some that really surprised me on their level of support and checking in with me every single day. There were some that, you know, that didn't. And, you know, and I think what I've learned too, is that 
going through something like this, there are some people that don't have a vocabulary to do it. Um, and it's, it was, it, if they couldn't meet me where I was, it was not anything about our relationship. It was really about, you know, them being able to go there with me and that's okay. You know, that's totally okay. I think sometimes you encounter things in your life that equip you with a vocabulary and a skill set to be able to go there, you know, go there with someone. And so, um, you know, what I found was that I just had to give them grace on um, and almost feel feel glad for them that they had not ever gone through something that gave them that skill set. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I had an amazing group of people that rallied around me and would check in on me and make sure that I was invited to go out and do things and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, there were a close group of friends, some family members that did that. And, um, but there was also like, there was a point where I decided I don't want to not do things because I don't have someone to do them with. Yes. And so, um, I saw like a banner on the side of a Methodist church in downtown Bentonville that was about grief share. And I was like, Hmm, I may want to do that. And so I found the, there was a group that was starting at central United Methodist and Rogers. And so I, um, I went to that, like I pushed myself out of my comfort zone to go to that. Um, that helped me process some things, you know, from kind of that, from a spiritual place. It also kind of gave me a sense of community that mm -hmm. what I was feeling was not atypical. Like it was very normal and it was very okay. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I just tried to keep pushing myself to do things, even though I would do them on my own. And, and it really, I, I think that that was a big um, part of my personal growth, right? It gave me a sense of independence and self-reliance. And um, so it was a really good thing. So what I heard you say is you had uh, people that you did life with who were there with you, walking you through this. You had counseling. That's something I talk about a lot on the podcast is just the importance of that mental health aspect, having someone who's an objective third party who can really kind of walk you through um, these seasons. And then you found community with a body of believers. And you know, what's so funny. A lot of people think that um, being a believer is about going to church. Like we're in a season where we're unable to go to church. Mm -hmm. And that's where we have to remember that as believers, we are the church. Mm -hmm. And when we gather together, seeking God to show up first to honor him, to, to acknowledge him and then seek him for wisdom. We're mm -hmm. the church. And I mm -hmm. think that's super important right now. Um, and grief share is an amazing an amazing, is an amazing tool. It's an amazing community mm -hmm. for, um, getting through those tough times. I mm -hmm. actually went to grief share as well. So yeah. Yeah, a wonderful resource. And I love what you said about it doesn't have to be a place. It's within us. Um, I can remember. So it was important for me to, I wanted to get my own apartment. And it wasn't immediately, you know. Um, so 
I, I tried to go back and stay at our townhouse, but I only really could do it like one day. And I was like, nope, this is not for me. <laughs> and so I ended up moving in with my mom and my granny for a few months. And that was so, so nurturing, you know, I mean, and it was really where like, um, my mom, it was so funny. The first day she was like, Oh, it's like, I've got my shadow back <laughs> and because I just kind of like followed my mom around the house, you know? Um, but we, you know, we, it was, had I not gone through this experience, I wouldn't have gotten that opportunity to spend that one-on-one -on -one adult, like adult to adult time with my mom. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that, you know, like I'm getting kind of teary thinking about it. Um, but it was important for me to get my own apartment. And so, you know, I, I think I stayed with my mom and my granny for probably six months, mm -hmm. but I got myself an apartment, um, up in Rogers. We had lived in Fayetteville and I was like, I just, I just need a fresh start. And so, um, so I got myself an apartment and I would stay there one night and then go back and stay at my mom's house. And then I finally got to a point where I was just staying at my apartment and, um, I had an upstairs apartment with this great patio, like balcony. Mm -hmm. And I had gotten myself some little chairs and some plants and put out there and it was on the back side, So I had a lot of privacy and I had moved in. It was springtime. So it was like this time of year and there was this beautiful, um, cherry blossom tree right below and birds chirping. And so I would sit up there and drink coffee and read and write and I could feel the sun on my face. And, and I remember thinking so many times that like, this is my church right here, you know? Um, and that was, it was so restorative being in that space and really processing through things and reading and thinking about in what I had been through. And, um, and so I love that concept of it can really be wherever you are. Yeah, because, yeah, individually, we are the church. His Holy Spirit lives in us. When we receive Jesus as our Savior, Holy Spirit is in us. And um, worship is just removing the space between us and Him. And I love the fact that when I journal, I feel like God is just giving me downloads. He's just speaking to me and through me about me, about situations, and about who He is in all of this. So talk to me a little bit about some of the things that you did personally that helped you develop that internal fortitude and bring forth that joy. I've always tried to kind of look, well, I say always, post-loss, rebuilding. Um, I tried to remember uh, and think of myself as almost like a tripod, right? I have my physical well-being, emotional well-being, and spiritual well-being. It's like emotional, mental, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I felt out of balance, I knew that one of the three of these was wobbly, right? And so um, I would have to look at like, what am I doing to move my body? What am I doing to pour into my mind? What am I doing to, to refuel myself spiritually? Um, and so that I've always tried to like use that as my compass since then to figure out if something is not right, if I'm like feeling like something is not right on the inside, there's something happening in one of those three areas. Mm -hmm. 
and so, you know, when I talk about the journaling and the reading, it's like, what am I pouring into myself? What are the things that I'm nurturing myself with? And so sometimes, you know, I have, I've put, you know, books off the shelf where I'm like, I should be able to read this, like, perfect example. There was a memoir that came out um, a few years ago called Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, and it's about a lady that works at, like, a crematorium. And so I was like, well, I, I should know about this. Like I should, like, I should be able to read this. And so if I feel myself start shooting on myself, then I know that that's something that I don't need to pour into me. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and so I started to read it and I was like, this just makes me feel gross. And so I just put it aside and I talked to my counselor about it and she's like, no, like, don't read something like that. <laughs> you know, listen, listen to that voice that's trying to tell you, like, no, I don't think this is for you. And like, so I listened to myself on my shoulds to figure out, you know, what do I not need to pour into myself mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, though, um, before, before all of this happened, I, I think I wanted to be physically fit. I wanted to have that component, but I never could really get into a routine, you know, beforehand. And, and certainly like if looking back with crystal clear 2020 vision, I was in a very unhealthy relationship because of, you know, the, the factors there. And so there was no way that I could be physically healthy. Mm. In, um, and so coming out of it, I knew that I wanted my health to, to be very important. And I have always had this persistent feeling, even when I lost my dad, whenever I was young, of I can, I want to have a great life. Like I am going to have a great life and there's going to, you know, I've had bad things happen, but I'm going to, I'm going to have a a good and joyful life that is meaningful. And it's just been like a determination. I don't know where that came from, but, but it is persistent. Um, and, and thank God for it because I, it's the, it's the fuel for my resilience. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so in the immediate aftermath of, of losing my husband, you know, you don't have any energy at all. It, it is all about going back to the building blocks, but there came a point where um, I don't think I really realized it at the time when I made that first decision to go, you know, get in the gym, but I, I wanted to start to feel strong, like physically strong. And um, one of my dear friends, she already had a good fitness routine and she was one of those that had checked on me from the very beginning. And so I said, Hey, can I, come with you and I'm just going to be your shadow. I'm just going to do what you do. You just tell me what to do. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. And so I went and the first day, Holy smokes, like she kicked my butt and like, I couldn't lift my arms afterwards. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I have so far to go. And I hated seeing myself in the mirror. Um, but I just stuck with it and it became a good outlet for me. It, going to the gym became some place where I went to feel strong mm -hmm. and I could match my, my inner strength and resilience with my outer. And, um, and it just became something I just fell in love with and I could push myself hard and I could believe in myself. And, 
um, started cycling and, and coming to spin classes and <laughs> um, and lifting weights. And, and even to this day, it's something that like, if I haven't moved in, uh, in a couple of days, like if I've just been, you know, kind of lazy or whatever, mm-hmm. I start to feel it and it starts to impact my mental health. And so, um, yes. that's the first thing that I'll go back and do is, okay, where am I off in my routine? Let me go for a walk. Let me get on my spin bike. Let me, you know, go lift some weights and I always feel better. So. That's awesome. I know. I loved having you in my spin classes. I love that. Um, And I, I, I just so many things that you just said. I had a conversation with someone earlier this week and they were talking about shooting on themselves. Mm-hmm. Shooting. And I think for women who are our age, you know, people start to say, well, you should do this and you should do that. And then we start to internalize. And sometimes it's not exactly what we need. So mm-hmm. I love that you were able to identify that and you received confirmation that, no, you should not read that, you know. Uh, how did you come to the knowledge of the shooting? Oh, well, that was definitely my counselor helping to point that out. Um, that was a, a big help. I also have a, a dear friend. Her name is Ashley. Um, Ashley has been someone from the very beginning, like she is wise beyond her years. And mm-hmm. she is definitely, and all of these ladies that I've talked about so far, they are on my personal board of directors because um, they're amazing. Yeah. Um, but what Ashley said one time, and it was, on, on my balcony at this, at my apartment, um, she said, no one has gone through what you've been through. Certainly at like at your age, none of your peer group, you know, has done this before. And so don't you dare let anyone try to make rules for you. You get to write the rules of your own life and you get to design what this looks like. Because none of us have done it and none of us know, you know, how to tell you what to do. So you take the own, like you get to write those own rules. And that's also been something that sometimes I lose sight of that and the shoulds come in. Um, I still, you know, almost five years out, like I don't have this down perfect. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, that's one of those things that I go back to and think, um, Am I, am I letting someone else dictate how I should respond in this moment? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always been a good touchstone to go back in and go back in and start listening and trusting myself. I love that. That's so good. So 2015, um, you lose Garrett. Then you start to build yourself back up. Slowly, surely. Um, And now we're in 2020. Mm -hmm. What has, and I know you have a boo. (laughs) What What has dating looked like? How did you start back even opening yourself up to date again? Because you guys were very, very young and it's a whole new ball game now. It was completely different. Um, you know, there came in the immediate aftermath, of course, I was like, oh, gosh, I'll, you know, I, it, it wasn't even a, a thought that I could fathom. And then as time went on, I was like, 
it's going to be so hard. I was so nervous. But then, you know, there came a point where it was about two, two and a half years um, later where I, you know, I had come to a place where I wasn't afraid to go out and do things like I had taken myself out on dates and stuff like that. Um, but I wanted to open myself back up to being in a relationship. And, um, and so, you know, lots of like, well, what would that be like? Well, what would, you know, and talking with my counselor about it. And, um, and so I finally kind of got up the nerve to, um, you know, get on some dating websites. And, um, so I got on to match and I knew that I wanted to be like, it wasn't that I just wanted to, um, I wanted to be intentional about the kind of person that I wanted to find. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had over the, those first two years, I had learned so much about myself and what I wanted and what I didn't want. And I learned about creating boundaries and, um, and just really being intentional about the kind of life that I wanted to lead. And you're, you're so right. I mean, we, Garrett and I got together when we were 18 and 19 years old, we lived in the same dorm. Um, we had the same friend group. And so it was kind of an organic thing that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I had to be really intentional about it because, you know, we, our, our culture today, I think it's really hard to go out and find, you know, to kind of find those people who are also looking for the same things right. that we're looking for. And so um, I had to learn how to um, flirt again. I had to learn how, I mean, I had to learn all those things. I felt like I felt so awkward, you know. Um, but what was really great was, um, now I, I had to kiss a few frogs before I met (laughs) Prince. Um, so I won't, I don't want to say that it was just like, I got a match and there we are, you know, it just happened. Um, but, um, you know, went on some dates with some different people and, you know, you could just tell immediately it wasn't a match, you know, it just wasn't, didn't feel right. But, um, went on a date with a very nice man named Clark and um, he like, we just had, we had great conversation from the very beginning. Um, You know, there wasn't any like weird game playing, you know, with, Mm -hmm. with the initial like text conversations. Um, I could, I could tell that he was interested in what I had to say. And it wasn't just like the little, like, you know, cutesy, you know, little text. It was like real conversation. I was like, this, this guy is like, he's really pleasant to talk to. And then we ended up going on our first date. And, um, and it was just, again, it was, he was easy to talk to, but I think the key was he also knew what he wanted. Mm -hmm. He knew what kind of relationship he wanted to be in. And one of the the first conversations that we had after our first couple of dates, kind of the, you know, define the relationship. Um, We were very intentional from the very beginning about being clear about our expectations, Mm -hmm. being clear about our boundaries, being clear about how we wanted to communicate. Um, And he said that he, you know, he wanted to be in a relationship where we were, um, strong individually and then strong together that we complemented each other's lives. It wasn't, you know, he, he didn't want 
to be dependent on me and likewise didn't want me to be dependent on him that we could both be strong but then together right and so um, that really aligned with what I wanted and we have been intentional from the very beginning about the way that we communicate and when we have miscommunications about going back and unpacking it and figuring out you know how do we like how do we learn from this and how do we bring it forward and so um this uh, gosh next month um we'll have we'll celebrate our two-year anniversary and um and so it's just it's been really wonderful but i think the key like our secret sauce is that we knew who we were and Mm -hmm. what we wanted and what we wanted our relationship to look like and we communicate daily about that I love that. That is great. Oh my gosh. And a man that knows what he wants. Let me tell you something. That is a gift. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I know that I stumbled upon a unicorn, but you know, we also enjoy doing a lot of the same things. Um, we spend a lot of time you know, on our bikes together and, and doing those things. We like to go out and do events, you know, events in the community and, and things like that. And so um, it just, it just really worked. But I know that I am really lucky that I found him when I found, you know, or that we found each other. Right. Right. Um, and that he has a vocabulary that I share, of, you know, and being able to communicate because that's something that is not, um, it's not just a given, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been, that's been the, the secret behind our success, I think, is just our communication and, and really um, being intentional about what we want. I love that intentionality. And that's super important for older singles just to remember, like, just because you are older now doesn't mean that you have to settle and you have to know what you want. Mm -hmm. And I think what I really love about your story is that you took time to work on you in the midst of your husband going through his trials, you were able to focus on you and who you were and what you needed. And I think one of the biggest things out of your counseling was the fact that you understood that you were in an unhealthy relationship. Mm-hmm. It was unhealthy. So do you think the unhealth in that relationship started early on or was it something that just transpired? I think that it, it grew over time. I don't think that it was always an unhealthy relationship, mm-hmm. but I think as, as people grow, um, you know, there, there comes a point, you know, there comes a point where, um, you know, you both need to continue to grow. And, and so I think once, once that unhealthiness kind of came into the relationship, you know, that's not to say that every relationship is going to be like that. You know, I think that some, some relationships, like you can come out of that unhealth. Um, in our case, we didn't. And, um, and I think that that was that initial urging that I had within me was that, that realization that like there's unhealth here mm-hmm. and I want to move towards health. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it, even then, like I was, I was bound and determined, like 
by golly, I'm going to get us to health. Like I'm getting us to health. Um, but that takes two people to make that decision together. And, um, and as much as I tried to like white knuckle the health for the both of us and like hustle for that, um, you know, I could only do that for myself. And so, um, you know, the counseling really helped me identify that. But, you know, when we, when I started to talk with Melissa about what dating would look like and the kind of relationship that I wanted to be in, one of my biggest fears was how do I not end up in the same kind of unhealthy relationship? That was like my biggest fear was how in the world do I not end up back here? And she said, you will know, you, you will begin. She said, you're going to continue to learn as you get distance from this. And, and she's so right. Like there have been more layers of the onion that I've peeled back, the more distance that I get from it and the more that I just learn. Um, but she, she was so right. Like being in the relationship I'm in now, it's a very healthy relationship And, you know, for as I was, you know, in the early stages of this, you know, my relationship with Clark, um, there have been a lot of points where I catch myself in this internal loop of almost like a comparison. Right. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I did like I I even knew at that time I was like, I don't want to continue to look at like at this relationship through the lens of the other. But at the same time, it was it was just so stark to see what a healthy relationship looks like compared to an unhealthy one in all of the ways that I am treated now and valued now that I wasn't before, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's again, not to disparage, um, you know, my late husband, but he simply was just not in a place where he could do that. Right. So, um, but yeah, so having that context of what an unhealthy relationship was has given me a tremendous um, lens to see this relationship and have such gratitude for all of the little things, you know, that that I can really be appreciative of today. Yeah, and I think that is so good. Um, when you're in a healthy place, you're able to really be honest about not just where you are, but where that other person is mm-hmm. and being so young and not really understanding that, you know, even as that relationship progressed, like you didn't know that he wasn't in a place to just love you like you needed to be loved. Mm-hmm. And man, that's pow- that is a powerful reflection and just a lesson to understand um, and just to articulate why getting healthy our individual selves is so important absolutely and you know since then so now you know this December will be five years um, an amazing point that my counselor made was you know and this was probably within the last six months when we had one of our sessions And she said, let's think about, let's look back to the beginning of your relationship with Garrett and and where you were. You know, you were 19 years old. And if you backtrack 
that was five years out from when your dad, you know, had passed away, had committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And she was like, think about where you were from an emotional standpoint at 19 years old with kind of some unresolved things of not really unpacking that. Um, and having that as a framework for what health versus unhealth looked like, you didn't have a good example there. And then you get into this relationship at 19 where, you know, I'm a baby, you know, and of course at 19, I thought I knew it all like all 19 year olds do, but being, you know, 36 now and looking back and I see, you know, people that age now, I'm like, Oh my gosh, they're just babies. Like they're still, they're still, you know, learning how to be adults. And so when I was 19, you know, coming out of trauma, you know, just not five years ago or five years previous to that, and then getting into this relationship without a really good framework of knowing who I was because we changed so much at that age. Um, it's just very different than getting into a relationship whenever you're, you know, an adult and, and have an understanding of what health versus unhealth looks like. Very different. Well, thank you so much for your time and your transparency. Um, it's just amazing to see, um, just what God has done in your heart and just pray that you just continue on and best wishes to you and Clark. Thank you so much. And thank you for this opportunity to, you know, kind of share my story and um, helps me live out my mission statement. So thank you. My pleasure. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, I'm grateful to Jennifer for sharing her story with me and with you, but I am happy to announce that she is recently engaged. Yeah, congratulations, girl. So praying that God will bless that union. And hey, I want to hear from you guys. What did you think about this episode? Um, What do you want to dig deeper into? What questions do you have? What feedback do you have for us? Go to our website, www.theseasonsingle.net, and tell me what you think. You can click on the review tab, leave a review, and share with a friend or two, or you can leave a voice message by clicking on the button on the right-hand side of the page. All right, friends. Well, that's it for now. I will see you again in two weeks with a new episode. But in the meantime, remember that we are living for the king and not the ring. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Jesus.